One of the most important traits a dude can have is courage, and it's lacking today. We desperately need courage, but something I don't hear talked about very often and something absolutely critical is how do you build courage? I'm joined today by Jeff Struker, a military legend. He was there in the Battle of Mogadishu, Somalia, the whole Black Hawk Down stuff, Ranger Hall of Famer, and he's going to be hanging out with us, coaching us through it. Also, in this episode, we have a major announcement. We're going to talk about a recent shooting in a Christian school. We have our Q and ambush section. We have our shameless plug. We have our training tip. We have our dad joke stuff. Lots to cover, but first, a story that makes me look uh, terrible. I was going bungee jumping in high school, and my buddy got up on this platform, all hooked in, and he just holds out his arms and does this beautiful swan dive, holds it all the way down. And I watch my buddy and I'm like, that's going to be me. I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm just going to swan out and just perfection go down. But as I climbed the rungs of this never ending ladder, I got to this massive precipice and I'm looking down and everything looks very small. I realized, wow, young teenage John hasn't built adequate courage. I was shaking. I'm talking to this dude up there and he's trying to coach me to ledge and I'm just kind of all, I'm all locked up. I can't really do the thing. And so now the idea of just doing this perfect swan dive free fall, that idea is completely gone. And now I'm just figuring out how do I get down from the platform without jumping to my in- inevitable death? Uh, the guy ended up kind of like tricking me to, to get toward like baby steps. What about Bob to the edge of the platform? And then he has me like lean out against his arm. And so I'm doing this kind of thing. And he's like, all right, on the count of three, I'm like, wait, no, can we go five? And already he's at three. And now I'm falling down and I'm doing one of those like Arnold Schwarzenegger explosion where you're climbing through the air. Like it's all ugly. It's like no, doing one of those. And I didn't do the beautiful swan dive. I had not built adequate courage. I wish I I'd watched the episode that you're about to see right now. So uh, Ranger buddy Jeff Struker can square us away. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in. This is episode four of the John Lovell Show. All right, guys, welcome back. As promised, Jeff Struker, retired Army Ranger, is joining us in studio. I'm going to read his bio, and then we'll welcome Jeff in. Jeffrey Struker is a decorated retired Army Ranger who was involved in the Battle of Mogadishu in 1993, so that's Black Hawk Down stuff, the 1989 invasion of Panama, Kuwait during Operation Desert Storm, and Global War on Terrorism. In 2017, he was inducted into the U.S. Army Ranger Hall of Fame, which is awesome. He spent most of his Army career in the 75th Ranger Regiment, competed in and won the best Ranger competition in 1996. Jeff spent his final years in the Army serving as a chaplain in Airborne and Ranger units. Struker has co-authored five published books. He holds a Doctorate of Philosophy from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Good job, man. Holy cow. He is an award-winning author uh, with several books in print. Jeff Struker leads the Unbeatable Army podcast and pastors Two Cities Church in Columbus, Georgia. I thought my resume was okay. Heath, my my resume. Need to do a little bit more. Can you can you yeah, step it up apparently. a little bit? Yeah. Holy smokes! Hey Jeff, thanks so much for tuning in, man. John, it's great to be with you, man. It's been a while since you and I had a chance to talk with one another. It certainly has, and you just got back from an international trip, I understand, right? Yeah, I spent a little bit of time over in Africa, beating my body up and trying to see how tough I was. 
and and how'd that come out? Tell tell us what you were doing. Um, I did a race called the Munga, subtitled the toughest race on earth, and it didn't go the way I wanted it to. The bottom line is I scratched and didn't finish at about the 500 mile mark. Um, and I still got a little bit of numbness and tingling because of this race a few months ago. Man, I wish I could have come. Our producer went and some of our video guys because we recorded the entire thing uh, for our network. And holy cow, wish you could have been there cheering you on. I heard it was absolutely brutal. So party on. I got on. everything I was asking for. I wanted a tough race. I got everything I was asking for and then some. So I wanted to start by bringing up a story. I want to see if you remember this, because uh -oh. as your bio said, you were a chaplain after you were a door kicker in Somalia and other mm -hmm. places, you became a chaplain. I want to hear that story, by the way, but you came to me as a chaplain at Second Ranger Battalion. And so right before we did this mission, the chaplain, Jeff Struker, legend of Black Hawk Down, comes out and says a prayer. Do you already know where I'm going I with this? I know exactly what you're talking about. People <laughs> still email me about this prayer. Oh, anyway, you uh, we all bowed our heads and we're ready. All right, chaplain, you do your thing. It's nighttime, so we're all flipping nods up, waiting for your prayer. And, uh, and I don't remember the opening, but I remember one part of it where you said, and and God, may we bathe in the blood of our enemies tonight. And I, <laughs> at this point, you know, an eye pops open and you look around and everyone's looking around. I've got atheists, sadists around being like, yep. yeah, all of a sudden they're, they're ready to follow. And so uh, they, just, they just needed the right chaplain prayer. Do you remember that prayer? I remember and it distinctly. We were in Afghanistan just getting ready to go on target. Um, and a little bit of background, I had been back and forth with you um, to Iraq and Afghanistan a whole bunch by this point. Yeah. I had been studying through and reading through the book of Psalms in the Bible at, on my own time. And I was thinking, you know, when I listen to some of the prayers that David prayed in the book of Psalms, and then the prayers that I pray in Afghanistan and Iraq, they don't sound the same. I'm going to try this. I tried it one time and people were like, what the heck was that? And like I said, they still email me about that prayer. Um, quick aside, John, I realized very quickly, well, I don't think we were ready for that one. I'll just tuck that one away until another day. Uh, well, I, I read Psalm 139 last night. And to your point, holy cow, David was, I mean, loving the Lord, worshiping and stacking bodies of Philistia of like, well, holy cow. So I, I don't know. It, it, it definitely raised some eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, it raised an eyebrow or two. I shared a really silly kind of story. I didn't want to do the whole war story kind of thing because you would outdo me and make me look like a chump. No, man. I, I, I wanted you to take us back to some of your scary moments where young Sergeant Struker is developing courage, you know, and, and what that process looks. So take us back to 93 sure. Somalia and anywhere you want to go, but... What's been your journey uh, regarding courage? Yeah, well, like you, I showed up at the range, in the Ranger Regiment as a private, and um, I was a I had a very strong faith system before I joined the army. Um, and in the Ranger Regiment, you're gonna you're gonna do a lot of very difficult stuff, but you're also gonna do a lot of dangerous stuff. And I, I have to remind guys today that before Iraq and Afghanistan, far more Rangers died in training 
than they did in combat. So every day when you went to work, you knew, man, I could get on, uh, we could be doing something dangerous today and I may not make it home. My first firefight was in Panama. And I was way up on a mountaintop next to the Costa Rican border. Um, first time bullets were flying over my head and I was engaging the enemy. I had a Grenada Ranger right next to me. And that Grenada Ranger was kind of narrating for me what a firefight was like. Like, hey, Jeff, here's what the enemy's doing. Here's what I want you to do next. I want you to prepare for this. And it occurred to me that dude was totally calm and I was freaking out on the inside. I was trying to look like I had it all together, but I was freaking out on the inside. And after the firefight was over with, I remember asking this guy, became a sergeant major. His name was Bobby Lane. And I asked him about this firefight. And he's like, Jeff, my first firefight in Grenada, I had a Vietnam Ranger right next to me doing the mm. same thing for me that I did for you. And when my guys were getting ready to go to Somalia, I saw the look in their eyes as we were preparing to load the aircraft. And they had that same bewildered and a little bit terrified look. And I decided I'm going to do for these guys in Somalia what Bobby Lane did for me in Panama and just try to help them work their way through it and let them know I'm going to be right there with you every second of the battle. You don't have to worry because I'm going to be there with you. And I've been through this a time or two. And that's my first real experience with the physical fear and the courage that it takes to confront the enemy in combat. But there, as you know, John, lots of different kinds of fears and lots of different kinds of courage out there. Which I definitely want to talk to. Can you drill down and be as practical as possible? What, what, what does it look like going from super scared to calm? I, I saw the bookends. I saw the beginning process. Sure. Step one. I am just trying to hold on to what's in my bowels. And step two, I'm calm, cool, collected Jeff Struker stacking bodies in the streets of Mogadishu. How, how do I, what happens in between, you know? Yeah, what looks like calm, cool, and collective is really totally terrified on the inside, but you've got a couple of skills to help you mitigate the terror to help you put it in its proper place so that you can function effectively on the battlefield and so that the guys around you don't get killed because you're losing control. And that doesn't happen overnight. I really think dangerous, um, realistic combat training prepares a person for what you'll see in war. But I've always said, you can never really predict how that guy or gal is going to respond the first time the bullets fly over your head. Mm -hmm. And usually it's the people around them when the bullets are flying over everyone's head that will make the biggest impact on how they react to that first enemy contact, especially when you think the next bullet's going to hit me right between the eyes and I'm not going to see it coming. So right. I, I think it takes time and it has to be developed developed through training, developed through being around some people that have been through it a time or two. Got it. Um, because I, it's very unnatural to go into combat with bullets landing all around you, guys dropping to your left and to your right, and pretend like you're not affected by that. In fact, I would say there's something psychologically wrong with a guy or gal on the battlefield who doesn't feel fear in those moments. You just have to learn how to master it. You had mentioned there's scary stuff outside of bullets flying. That's not very relatable to a lot of the folks tuning in. You know, they're, they're not 
running through third world countries with people shooting at them. What moments in your life have been extremely scary that were outside yeah. of a combat zone? Um, I don't consider myself an expert in very much. Got a lot of education, did a lot of reading. But the, th the two things that I have spent most of my adult life around is death and fear. Um, not just my own, but uh, others around me. I spent almost my entire adult life in those two worlds. And I've noticed that fear and its antidote, faith and courage, it really comes in three sources. You have physical courage. That means the ability to get up and to physically confront your fears. Take, for example, Batman's fear of bats, and I've got to overcome that fear and actually turn that fear into an asset. That's a really simple example. You've got moral courage. And I really think that moral courage may be the hardest of the three because mm. moral courage is when you stand your ground and you know that what you're being asked to do is not right and you stand up and you speak out anyway. And usually moral courage happens when no one else around you is willing to stand up and speak out. So not only are you facing real challenges, but you're almost doing it by yourself. And then the third and when people think through it, maybe you've had an example of this or a time or two in your life. And this is what I call spiritual courage or courage of faith, that you're going to hold on to something that is really valuable and you believe in deeply, even when people around you are questioning it, even when people around you are calling you crazy for holding on to those beliefs. All three of those kind of have their same, all three of those fears and all three of those sources of courage are similar but it takes very, very strong character to handle any one of, or all three of those. It, you know, you mentioned different types of courage in like the public square, for instance, the moral courage. And I feel all the time uh, of like, hey, you can't say that. Or right. what, if I, what if I say that and I'll risk career or cancellation and things like that. And I think many years ago, I really valued uh, intelligence. I'm like, man, I, I want to follow the smart people because surely they've got right. it all figured out. And I think as of late, smart is less important and courageous and moral are more important. But I think what I'm thirsty for more than anything, uh, looking for public people, personalities out there is I want people who are smart, but virtuous and brave. And to find that trinity together is extremely difficult the world is full of so many people that are smart but they aren't necessarily good and then they're not brave do you have any kind of dudes that you're looking to guys or girls out there that are just really doing a, a good job in those three areas of like thought leadership yeah sure i totally agree by the way um, there's no question that if you got a little bit of street smarts, you're going to go farther than the guy or gal that spent a lot of time in the books. But let's just be honest, in the information age that we live in, anyone can Google any answer to any problem tomorrow. So yeah. just being smart is not good enough anymore. Right. And we live in a world where the culture swings from left to right in, at an insane rate. Um, which means you really are going to have to be the kind of guy or gal 
that stands your ground, that draws a line in the sand, that holds on to your convictions. Because if not, the winds of change are going to blow around you every day. And if you look at the politicians, even if you look at business leaders and unfortunately some military leaders, you see them flipping sides and changing opinions and swaying with the culture. And then you're right. The thing that really makes somebody worthy of following is that they're noble or they have this honorable character. And we live in an age where honor is really, really rare. So this may surprise you. Some of the heroes that I look up to, and I use this word hero on purpose because I really believe they're courageous, are the guys that are able to stay at home and keep their marriage together and hang with their families, even when they want to go out and have an affair, even when they're having troubles in the marriage, even when everything around them is pulling them away, but they stay in there and they do it day after day after day. There's some ladies that are trying to hold the family together, single moms that are working two jobs and trying to hold it all together and trying to be a good example for their children, even though the guy in the family bolted on them. And I think to myself, you know, what I saw on battlefields is moments of courage. What this lady or this guy I'm describing is doing is they're showing courage moment after moment, day after day, month after month, year after year. And when you put that together, man, that is a lot more courage to just remain consistent for decades than to show a little bit of courage in the middle of sheer terror on a battlefield for a few seconds. Yeah, strangely enough, it is a lot easier to die for a cause than to really live for one. Man, oh, that like is that. powerful right there. You're absolutely right. Very good. Hey, I want to take some of the stuff that you said, because you've already led us down a path into some really good stuff. I want to back up and as, as good as we can and as practically as we can unpack of like, all right, I'm here. I'm a fearful guy. I know I should be brave. How in the world do I get from where I'm at to where I want to be? So I'm courageous in all aspects and areas of my life. So I want to go into that. But before we do, I, we have to do our shameless plug. It's time to do the shameless plug. And you know what? I don't even have to say it this week, John. We've actually got it recorded. So here you go. Shameless plug. Time for the shameless plug. That was beautiful. Plug. I, f- I feel like you're flaking of like, that's one of your big duties is to, can can I get the live thing? No, no, it's transcended me now, John. It's, it's part of the ether. It's part of the internet. It's out there. I think he's being lazy, guys. I think he's being lazy. I'd really like it. I'm a diva now. Ugh. All right. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. Major announcement, guys. I have written a book. It's The Warrior Poet Way. This is it. It has been years in the making, and I didn't want to say anything until I actually had something in hand. It releases July 11th, and it's all the most important lessons I can think of for living free and dying well. It is our ethos crystallized, and in it, I really jump in to stories from my past, from connections that I've made, stuff that is highly, highly personal that I've held back over the years because I wanted a place to put it in one big tell-all kind of narrative. 
I think even if you're a non-reader, you would enjoy this book. Blurbs are out. John Eldridge said it. If, if you want someone to shoot straight with you about masculinity, life, death, and what matters most, read this book. Stephen Mansfield, New York Times bestselling author, says, I'm weary to my core with airy books on manhood that offer untested theories and unlived philosophies. In the warrior poet way, you smell the sweat and feel the acrid bite of gunpowder on each page because John has lived his words and offers what he has found to those he hopes will become his brothers in arms. Get this book, read it, and live it fiercely. Stephen Mansfield. Guys, it's available for pre-order right now on all the places where books are sold. Go ahead, rush the door, get it, really appreciate it. Jeff, how do we build courage? Yeah, I want to go back to a little bit of my story. So that first firefight that I'm in, in the invasion of Panama back in Just Cause in 89, I'm totally terrified. I don't even think I really understood what was happening around me because so much stuff is going off all at the same time. And then I go to Kuwait about a year and a half later, and I'm in a firefight part of, with 1st Ranger Battalion over in Kuwait on the Iraqi border in Desert Storm. And now I'm starting to recognize more stuff happening around me. And I think those were the things that prepared me for Somalia. So by the time that I go over to Somalia with Bravo Company 3rd Ranger Battalion, this is not my first rodeo. In fact, by the time I'm 24, I have been to combat more than guys that have been in the Army for 20 years, literally. And the first night that we get off of the aircraft, literally, we get off of a giant C-5 and take over a hangar on the airfield. And we haven't been on the airfield for more than two hours when we start to get hit by rockets and mortars. Everybody is scurrying around. Everyone is going crazy. But I've been under mortar fire before. I've been un under direct fire before. So I'm able to really think about what's happening, process all of the information around me a little bit different. And John, not once, but Every single night, you could set your watch to it almost to the moment at 20 hundred hours, we knew we were going to get rocketed. We were going to get mortared on the airfield. And after weeks or months of that, it started to become an event. You don't ever take that for granted because the shrapnel could kill you. But it started to become an event that was a little bit more easy to deal with. I'll fast forward I'm in Afghanistan, my first deployment over there, and I get rocketed. I counted the number of times, 170 different rocket attacks over there. And the guys around me are scurrying like crazy, and they're running to the bunkers, and they're hiding. And I'm like, you know what? That rocket is so far away, I don't even think I'm going to bother to put on my boots right now. I'm not at all worried about this rocket attack. And people are thinking, Jeff... I think you're a little bit crazy. You've lost your mind. No, I've just been rocketed enough that I know when it's time to put my helmet and my boots on and go to the bunker. And right now, I'm not at all worried. And I think what I'm trying to say to the, to the listening audience right now is it is built over time. And courage always builds on itself. But if you're not careful, fear builds on itself. Courage spreads like um, it spreads from one person to the next, but fear does the same thing. So it ultimately starts with one person and deep in the heart, and then it spreads from the heart to the person next to you and the person next to you. Fear can sweep through a unit or uh, a family in the middle of a crisis. 
just like courage can, and it's built over time. So what I'm hearing you say is, one, if you're afraid of stuff, subjecting yourself to that scary thing over and over is going to build repetition and like any muscle that gets stronger with use, being afraid more often can help you kind of neutralize that. It's not such a humongous thing because you're around it a good bit. So um, maybe if I was extrapolating that even farther and looking for a nugget of like, it is possible in our day and age to live this insulated, crazy, comfortable mm -hmm. life where you just go to work and you come home and your air conditioned vehicle surrounded by airbags and park your car, you go in, you watch whatever streaming service you got and you eat food and you just kind of zone out for hours and hours. And really you can insulate yourself from almost any type of pain or any type of danger. And it's not natural. And I think the world, which does have a lot of fearful things and scary things in it, when you're confronted outside of your little bubble and you run into anything scary, we're less and less able to deal with that. So we need to put ourselves out of our comfort zone and find scary things to do, right? You just went over to South yeah. Africa and uh, you're not a spring chicken anymore, right? Thanks and for reminding me. <laughs> and you're still doing hard, scary stuff, you know? I think you nailed it. Not, I don't think we, you run out and you go try to find scary stuff. I think you inherently are afraid of a few what-ifs or a mm. few things in your life that you're not sure they're going to turn out the way you want them to. And when you find those fears, you deliberately face those fears. You do it delicately building step by step on a little bit more courage today than you had yesterday and a little bit more courage tomorrow than you had today. But the fears that you know you're struggling with, and let's just be honest, every human on the planet has some persistent fears. You get up and you face them and you find that tomorrow it's a little bit easier to face those fears. And the day after tomorrow, it's Good. a little bit easier. And then pretty soon it looks like you're not afraid at all. You still are. You've just figured out how to deal with the fear, how to face the fear. I like to use this language, how to go forward in the middle of fear instead of running away from it. For me, you know, of like uh, heights don't bother me anymore and uh, some type of fights or getting attacked. And I mean, not, not that I'm completely numb to all that. It's just not this huge threat in my mind anymore. But what still does bother me is, oh, the things that I can't say and, right. and risking relationships. You're a pastor. And so what can't you say from the pulpit of like, and that that's the scary thing right. of like, what, what are all those hot topic uh, issues? I, I remember I was visiting a church uh, considering uh, on whether my wife and I would go there or not. And the uh, abortion uh, ban mm -hmm. from the Supreme Court had just passed. And it was crickets that Sunday, the, right after the Sunday. They said nothing. Right. And then the next week, nothing. And I'm like, how do you not celebrate that from the pulpit? Right. And I, I was thinking, yeah, I think maybe they were afraid to. What, what would people say regarding issues of sexuality or gender confusion uh, or calling out any sin that the world has embraced of like, can you call that out? Do you still do of like, I don't think we need to run and jump off, you know, precipices to bungee jump or skydive, though I hope folks out there do that because right. 
It's all building courage. Do find anything scary and do it. And when you're working on some of it, you are working on all of it because fear is fear and courage is courage. So I want people to do, you know, whatever scary, but we don't have to look very far because all these social issues, all the political correct muzzles, all the fear of ostracization and uh, attack and cancellation, you don't have to go anywhere far before you run into you know, that scary thing. And I wonder what is the scarier thing for me? That's the scarier thing, I think. Yeah, John, you just gave great advice to all the listeners out there. Look, standing up against this tide of culture takes real courage. Because let's be honest, what are people going to say? How are they going to treat me if I say something that they don't like? And it may be hard for some listeners to understand, why would bungee jumping have any relevance on standing up against the tide of culture? Well, courage is courage. Fear is fear. It doesn't recognize a different aspect of life. So there are some times when you can remind yourself, you know what? I was really afraid standing on the edge of that bungee platform, and I took the plunge anyway. And if I had the courage to take that plunge, I'm now standing on the edge of this cultural chaos around me. And I feel like I've got to say something. And I'm about to step off of the edge and it feels terrifying. But if I had the courage to jump off that budgie platform, here we go. I'm going to speak out. I'm going to speak my mind. I'm going to show moral courage. And that physical courage in the past gave you the strength to show some moral courage in the future or even spiritual courage down the road. Jeff, I, I was just realizing that if you went bungee jumping, you would have been like my buddy in Perfect Swan Dived. And no, don't laugh. I hate you for it. Of oh, like, man. I've seen come on, guys man. on the edge. You have too. Seen them on the edge of the ramp of a C-130, and they almost look bored back there. And you think to yourself, they have done this so often. They have mastered this fear that any other rational human being would be totally freaking out. And they look like they're bored and they need a cup of coffee because they're about to fall asleep on the edge of a ramp of a moving airplane. C-130s is kind of a boring yeah, jump, though, you know, you know? Not, not to self-aggrandize, but C-130, well, I always got airsick in C-130s. C-17 was just yeah, right. Yeah, that's the C- Cadillac of, of parachute operations. Right. C-5, you're probably going to get hurt because the sp- stall speed is so darn right. fast. And then the best jump, bar none, is out of a Chinook right. into water, you know, where we jump into the lake, they'd fish us out, and then we barbecue. Uh, man, that that's the coolest jumps yep. uh, outside of Halo, right? So fun times. Uh, what else can we do to build courage? Well, I do think you have to settle in your mind. There are moments where you're just overwhelmed by the circumstances. And you're thinking to yourself, I don't have what it takes inside of me to face the challenges that are in front of me. And I've got a buddy um, who was with me in Somalia, a guy who was a great ranger, a very talented musician. His name is Kenny Thomas. And Kenny likes to use this statement like on those few moments, and they don't happen very often in life, but there are some moments where the fear that you're facing is so overwhelming that you're pretty sure you don't have it inside of you to handle it. Kenny recommends that you ask yourself a question right now. And the question is, what kind of man, what kind of woman do you want to be in the future? When you look back at this event and you talk to your grandchildren about it, all of us are f- afraid, 
all of us are overwhelmed. Do you want to be the guy or gal that says, I hung it up, I ran away, it was too much for me, I couldn't do it? Or do you want to be the guy or the gal that bounces your grandchild on your knee and says, when I was really terrified, I dug down deep and I faced it anyway. He recommends, ask yourself the question, what kind of person do you want to be in the future when you look back in the mirror? And I think that is one of those motivational questions that'll give you the courage to dig down a little bit deeper than you thought you had. And most people, I think, when they dig down, there's more in the tank than you really recognize. And you mm. don't know it until you just really dig down deep and f figure it out the hard way. And you can only figure it out the hard way. Uh, I like this because I'm trying to be a amateur psychologist right now. All and, right. And, and, uh, and kind of why does this work? Clearly, your buddy knows what he's talking about. And I've felt something similar without articulating it. But I wonder when you're in that horrible moment you're kind of locked up. If you're able to ask yourself any question, you're able to kind of step outside sure. yourself. Yeah. And as soon as you step outside yourself to ask yourself a question, you're removed from the horrible situation. And then hopefully from the outside, you can steer yourself around like a little video game avatar. Yeah, And John, that sounds so dumb, but I've done that, John. I've done it too, man. The, the most intense moments of a firefight in my life was without question in the city streets of Somalia. I'm surrounded by a thousand armed Somalis and most of them are 10 feet away from me. And I've, I'm leading this little three vehicle convoy back to the base. Dominic Pillow's shot dead right next to me. Bl Todd Blackburn is seriously wounded and just hanging on to life. And everyone in those vehicles are totally freaking out and fear is spreading like wildfire. And I remember there was a moment in those city streets where I almost had to step outside of myself and speak to myself, literally say, Jeff, you're in charge of this convoy. You're the patrol leader for this thing. And Jeff, you have to get yourself under control. This is me speaking to myself in the middle of an intense firefight saying, Jeff, you have to get yourself under control or there's no way you're going to be able to get your men under control. Control. I take a big breath and I get on the radio and I start directing the fire team behind me. I start telling my people in my vehicle what to do next. And it's this moment of stepping out of myself, even being aware enough to realize I'm starting to lose control. Okay, mm. Jeff, slow down, calm down, get yourself under control, or else this fear is going to take over and nothing good is going to happen next if, that, if that's the case. Awesome. Very good. Uh, what else have you got? Build courage. I, got, I could do this all day long, man. Let's, um, let's give him a couple more. Sure. Yeah, I'm uh, one of my first combat deployments to Afghanistan. I was in the 82nd Airborne Division. I have a, a chaplain assistant assigned to me who's never been to war before. And I could tell in the first week or two in Afghanistan, he was really, really concerned about how he would handle it if the bullets start flying. His name was Ben. Ben was an incredibly uh, uh, very faithful soldier. He was very loyal, but he was actually, actually really good with a gun, which is unusual for chaplain, candidate, or chaplain assistants. And uh, the first time Ben and I actually went out on target together, Ben's right next to me. He's armed. I'm not armed. And Ben is nervous. 
And Ben says, uh, Chaplain, what happens if we start to get in a firefight? What happens if the bullets start flying? And I said, Ben, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. And what I basically told Ben is, I want you to watch me, Ben. And if I look like I'm nervous, then you need to start getting nervous. But if I don't look like I'm nervous, no matter how intense the firefight is, you don't need to be nervous. And basically I said, think about it like being on an airplane, right? When the airplane starts to bounce up and down and there's severe turbulence, everybody's freaking out on the airplane, but everybody does the exact same thing. They all look to the front to the flight attendants. And if the flight attendants look like it's no big deal, happens all the time, then people in the airplane breathe a huge sigh of relief and they're like, I guess we're going to be okay. Now, if those flight attendants are bouncing off of the walls, spazzing because of the turbulence, there's going to be widespread panic in that airplane. And I really think being around somebody who's courageous when you're in the middle of real fear can make a big difference in your life. And then you can make a big difference in somebody else's life when they're freaking out because they're going through it. Okay, so taking an action item from what you just said, I need to surround myself with courageous people and I need to seek after courageous leaders to follow uh, because that tide's going to rise uh, me as well. And so surround myself with courageous people. Am I yeah. hearing you right? John, uh, whether you know it or not, I did this with you on the battlefield. Um, there's a time or two when I went out on target in Afghanistan and in Iraq and I didn't have a weapon on me. And I remember just being around Rangers. These guys are so good. They're so talented. I don't need to worry about my own personal security because these guys will take care of the enemy. But if it gets bad enough that I need to reach down and pick up a weapon, I'm pretty sure by the time the chaplain has to pick up a weapon, there'll be plenty of dead Rangers laying in the streets and plenty of weapons to pick up. So more than once, I'm on a battlefield totally unarmed but at peace because the guys that I'm around are courageous enough. They can handle whatever the enemy throws at me. And you were one of those guys that I got courage from on a battlefield or on the target in Iraq and Afghanistan. I'll take it. I'm basically your hero. Yes, what that's I exactly what I'm trying to tell your audience. You're my I hero. Would, I would have protected you. You needed me to protect you. And I was up to the task. Oh, chaplain, my chaplain. I of had course. you. You are welcome for my service. Thank you. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no fact checking. I, I like the way this narrative played out. There must out. be at least 10% of truth in this, you know, um, those, let me tell you a war story. I take 10%. That sounds fantastic in this situation. That's, that's great. Uh, give me one final one. Sure. Um, I think the courage to stand up and to hold your ground. So I've been in rooms where everybody in the room knows what needs to be said, but it feels like nobody wants to say it. So one day um, we were in a big staff meeting with the big boss and I'm his chaplain. All of the senior officers and sergeants are in the room. There's some pretty tenuous uh, conversation because the numbers are not looking good and the boss is digging in people's shorts and not happy and everybody in the room was thinking the same thing but no one really wanted to say it so mm -hmm. after the boss leaves the room his executive officer his number two guy comes to me privately and he says hey chaplain i need you to go talk to the boss and tell him what we're all thinking i need you to say that 
on our behalf. And I said, wait, you're his number two guy. Why are you nominating me to say it? You should be the guy who says it. And his yeah. response was, Jeff, you have the courage and you have the relationship with the boss to go say something that none of us have the relationship and let's be honest, most of us don't have the courage to go say, I need you to go tell him the reason the numbers are what they are is because of him. And I said, mm. well, thanks for nominating me. He's going to love hearing that from me. But the truth is, John, that moment took as much courage as facing battlefields in Mogadishu wow. or in Panama or in Iraq. Just standing your ground, speaking the truth being a man or a woman of conviction when the rest of the people around you are keeping their mouth closed or worse, when they don't hold to your values, that takes real courage. Those guys or gals are really my heroes. The ones that will stand up and speak their ground or, or stand their ground and speak up in the midst of this crazy, insane culture that we live in where anybody can be canceled at any moment for saying something that somebody else doesn't like. So if I'm drawing out kind of the nugget from that, maybe I would summarize what you're saying uh, like this. Don't expect courage to be consequence free uh, and, and just decide what kind of person you want to be of like the courageous path may lead you unemployed. Wow. Uh, but would you rather be uh, a good and courageous man? That And that's the hero stuff, right? What What's right. a hero except somebody who faces awful consequences and doesn't blink of like, I think I would rather be the right kind of man. I can find a new vocation. I can find a new boss. The Lord will take care of me. Yeah. I will, you know, that the future, though uncertain and scary, will work itself out. But I'm going to be the right kind of man today. Wow, uh, John. That's what I hear you saying. I really needed to hear that because even today. No, I got it from you. I'm, Don't pretend no. it was my point. That's your point. Even today, I still face some stuff that I'm struggling with. And I need to be reminded that real courage doesn't come easy. But it also is not usually consequence free. You may end up having to take it on the chin for standing your ground. And if you do take it on the chin a year from now, you can look in the mirror and be proud of what you see in the mirror instead of ashamed of yourself. I love that. Uh, a final thing is I feel like I cheated in Ranger Battalion and combat. Uh, and I wonder if you have the same experience. Uh, I had, I, I was uh, on fire Christian throughout Ranger Battalion. Doesn't mean I did it all well, but it just meant I was in a growing relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, but I felt like if I died... Uh, I would just be in paradise with Jesus, so it wouldn't be like that's 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 not a terrible consolation right. prize uh, to walking through the desert uh, up and down mountains. I'm like, ah, oh, paradise with Jesus didn't sound like a bad backstop. Uh, there was that, and also believed that God was God had my back. He wasn't going to let anyone touch me, you know. And so until my time is up, I'm invincible. Uh, but I felt that, and uh, I feel like it was almost like a cheat code. Uh, in combat, and it has been in life as well. How has your faith uh, helped you uh, regarding overcoming fear yeah. and just having identity as a man? One of my favorite quotes from an American warrior of all times comes from Thomas Stonewall Jackson at the Battle of First Manassas, the first really bloody fight in the Civil War. And this is where Thomas Jackson gets his name Stonewall because he's standing in a withering hail of bullets 
the the people around him said, like a stone wall. His adjutant asked him a question. He said, General Jackson, how is it that you're able to stand so firm and so strong in the middle of this enemy fire when all the rest of us and even the enemy are running like cowards? And Jackson made this statement, and I have felt this personally many times on the battlefield. He said, my religious convictions, basically what he was saying is, my faith teaches me that there is a sovereign God in heaven, that the date of my death is fixed that there's nothing that I can do to change it. And therefore, and this is the moment that Jackson really spoke to me when the bullets are flying. Therefore, I can be as safe on the battlefield as I am in my own bed because there's nothing I can do to change the date of my death. That's fixed, but that also means there's nothing that the enemy do can do to speed it up. There's nothing I can do to stop it. So why worry in the first place? And that quote got me through more than a few intense firefights, just thinking, it's true. The date of my death is fixed. There's nothing I can do to stop it. So why worry about what the enemy does next? Yeah, I love that. That speaks to me. I will say for my part, I believe in the providence of God on and off the battlefield. However, I still endorse uh, proper use of cover and concealment. Yes, of course. And that so, mean I mean, that you don't put some camouflage on your face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the psalm say of like, uh, um, ready the horse for battle, but the victory lies with right. the Lord. And it's to say, hey, God is control of all this, but you still do your part. Ready yeah, the horse just, for battle. Do do your pre-mission checks. Right. Do do the right thing. Yay for tactics, fitness, and mindset, yes. and skill. So do all the right thing. Guys, if you find yourself ambushed in an alley, uh, you know, Cover concealment, noise and light discipline, do yep. the right thing, <laughs> press through, reset that trigger, Right. keep it moving. God is in control on the battlefield, but you still better be faster than your enemy on the trigger. <laughs> Amen, pastor. I like that. That's fantastic. Uh, how can folks find you? Uh, well, you know, the best way to find me is just go to my website, jeffstrucker.com. I got a podcast. Um, I'm trying to interview some pretty amazing people. The podcast is called Unbeatable. Um, you can always find me on the, all of the prominent podcast platforms or any social media platform out there. We'll have your links down below. Thanks so much for joining us, Jeff. We're going to say goodbye to you, and uh, we're going to keep going because we have school shooting to discuss. Not fun subject uh, at all. We also have an expert training tip. We have our Q&A ambush section, and a lot of grim stuff and heavy stuff is happening in this episode. But we'll end it all off with dad jokes so that you don't collapse into a pit of abject despair. Uh, so uh, let's move straight in. Want, want to do a training tip next? Yeah, I'd like to do a training tip. Let's, uh, Jeff, thanks so much for tuning in. We're going to go learn something about guns on the, fl on the range. Sounds great. See you, brother. Guys, if you're listening on podcasts or watching on YouTube, that's the end of the show for you today. We're going to continue our chat with Jeff Struker amongst all the other stuff we'll talk about in this show. Make sure you check out watchwpsn.com to see the rest of this episode. If you enter in code JLSHOW to give you a nice discount, watchwpsn.com to sign up, and then you can download the app wherever apps are you know, distributed or app store. Or available. Available. Yeah, yeah, that works. There you go. You can do that. Guys, see ya.